Young, young, gospel, gospel. I got you. I got you. I got you. Young, gospels, podcast. Get ready. Your hope is in the building. My hope is out the ceiling. My hope is that I hope these Christians really do feel me, Mama. I'm a different Christian, I'm on a different path I took a different mission, the blood, the life I got the passion of the Christ Everyone's so hostile, they used to call me T-Money Now it's Young Gospel So go with me to a land you'll never see It's free, but it's sex sincerity Young Gospel's What's up, my brothers and my sisters? It is your boy, your host, Young Gospel. And I want to send a great shout out to all my brothers and sisters that are listening in the States and those listening abroad. I just want to say I'm with you in hard times. I love you in Jesus' name, and I wish the best for you, blessings, and I hope that God uh, gives you the desires of your heart. Uh, Today's podcast is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be another informative podcast. Um, You might have to research some of these things on your own. I haven't done the complete research here for you. But again, uh, like anything else, it takes time to do a lot of research. And it's just fun to figure this out on your own. You won't learn unless you do it on your own. When other people tell you, yes, it's fun, it's cool, it's informative. But when we're talking about the things of God, we have to do the research on our own. It is God's job to conceal a matter, but a king's job is to seek it out. So this podcast is going to be called The Case for the Resurrection. This information is coming from coldcasechristianity.com. This is uh, from the great homicide detective, uh, J. Warner Wallace. So did Jesus really die on the cross? So in order for us to really prove Christianity, we have to prove this one event. Not only did Jesus get res- uh, die or get crucified, but he also resurrected. So many first century and early second century unfriendly Roman sources that wrote about the resurrection is uh, none other than Thallus, Tacitus, Marabar Serapion, and Phlegon. If you can um, just imagine when you get into a car accident or even in a criminal court case, the person that usually wins is the person that has a neutral witness that is willing to testify on any events that have taken place. This is usually how you can win in an accident or you can win in a criminal case or if you're trying to solve a homicide. If you're a detective, you're always looking for witnesses that saw the crime happen. Um, It's very questionable to get witnesses that are friends of the suspect, especially if they're saying he did not do it. But if you get neutral witnesses that saw the suspect do it, these are the best type of witnesses that will really solve a case in the court of law. And Jewish sources would be Josephus, which I personally own that book. You may want to pick that up, check it out, study it. It's an awesome book. And the Babylon of Talmud. Uh, These are also books and sources that wrote on the resurrection, affirmed and acknowledged that Jesus was crucified and 
died, these two sources, Josephus and Babylonian Talmud, these are Jewish sources. So also, just to keep in mind that the Roman guards would face death if they allowed a prisoner to survive the crucifixion. I don't think anybody in their job, in their line of work, would want to face death for not doing something correctly. So would they really be careless enough to remove a living person from a cross? Probably not. Jesus would have uh, had to control his blood loss from the beating, the crucifixion, and the stabbing in order to survive, yet was pinned to the cross and unable to do anything that might achieve this. So what we're trying to prove here is that Jesus indeed get crucified and Jesus indeed died on that cross. Jesus displayed wounds following the resurrection, but was never observed to behave as though he was wounded, in spite of the fact that he appeared only days after his beating, uh, crucifixion, and stabbing. So Jesus did display the wounds um, after when he appeared to the apostles. He even told Thomas or asked Thomas, do, do you want to touch the wounds that I have here? Jesus disappeared from the historical record following his reported resurrection and ascension and was never cited again. As one might expect, if he recovered from his wounds and lived much beyond the young age of 30. So here, what we're trying to kind of make the point is that if Jesus would have survived, how is it that nobody would have ever saw him again? Um, usually people that survive anything, other people talk about how they saw this person again living into however many years that they lived on. So even when people die or people claim to be dead, they're spotted, people know them, people see them, people speak to him or speak to them, I should say. So, But after his reported resurrection and his ascension, then he was never cited again. So he was never found again, which kind of goes back to the belief that once you're dead, it's obvious to people once they just never, ever see you again, especially people that maybe were not at your funeral, did not witness the death, were not around. But if they never, ever see you again, when they visit certain areas where you might be or your hometown, then they can surely say this person passed away. Again, these are very great historical records that you may, again, look up. For yourself, I'm not trying to tell you anything that uh, you cannot look up on your own. Were the disciples lying about the resurrection? Uh, the Jewish authorities took many precautions to make sure the tomb was guarded and sealed, knowing that the removal of the body would allow the disciples to claim that Jesus had risen. You can look this up on Matthew 27, 62 through 66. The people... Uh, local to the event would have known if it was a lie. Remember that Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8, that there were still 500 people who could testify to have seen Jesus alive after his resurrection. So once Jesus died, he was spotted over 500 different times and people could testify to this. But after his ascension, he was never seen Again, the disciples lacked the motive to create such a lie. Uh, you can continue to read more on this on chapter 14. Uh, the disciples transformation following the alleged resurrection is inconsistent with the claim that the appearances were only a lie. How could their own lies transform them into courageous evangelists? So if they were lying, how could they become so courageous and how could they face their own death in such a courageous manner if they thought this was all a lie? And made up people that usually lie are 
pretty cowardly in my experience and what I have seen in my life. Remember, I don't come from a great place. I do come from a place where there was a lot of poverty. I got to see a lot of different attitudes, characteristics. I got to see thieves, liars, even murders. So again, people that usually lie are usually also cowards and they're very afraid of being discovered and continually have to live in their lie. So how would the evangelists be able, the apostles be able to go out and evangelize a lie and then die for it? No man dies for a lie. I'm going to tell you that right now. Did the disciples hallucinate the resurrection? While individuals have hallucinations, there are no examples of large groups of people having the exact same hallucination. So this right here kind of goes to um, any time you can prove that a group of people took something to hallucinate, whether it be acid or, or DMT, whatever the case may be, um, it is very, very rare for everybody to see the same thing. Every person's body, every person's mind is going to um, give them a different thought, a different memory, just something different. So it's very rare for a whole group of people to hallucinate and see the exact same thing. While a short momentary group hallucination may seem reasonable, long sustained and detailed hallucinations are unsupported historically and intuitively unreasonable. The risen Christ was reported uh, seen on more than one occasion and by a number of different groups and subset of groups. All of these diverse sightings would have to be additional group hallucinations of one nature or another. So Jesus was seen a couple of times even after his own death. That means that people would have to continue to hallucinate over and over and over and over because he was spotted again over 500 times even after his death. Not all the disciples were inclined favorably towards such a hallucination. The disciples included people like Thomas, which we all know he did not believe, uh, who was skeptical and did not expect Jesus to come back to life. So if they all saw the same thing and hallucinated or made it all made up a lie, then here Thomas kind of disproves that theory because he was in disbelief and yet he was an apostle. If the resurrection was simply a hallucination, what became of Jesus' corpse? The absence of the body is unexplainable under this scenario. So again, kind of tying it back to where did the corpse go? Usually if people do survive or are alive, then we should be able to go back and trace a body because people don't just disappear, right? We know that the soul leaves the body, but the bones remain. And that's what has never been discovered. Were the disciples fooled by an imposter? The impersonator would have to be familiar enough with Jesus' mannerisms and statements to convince the disciples. The disciples knew the topic of the con better than anyone who might con them. So if Jesus was conning the disciples and the disciples were in on it, no one allows themselves to be conned. That's kind of what this point here is making. Many of the disciples were skeptical and displayed none of the necessary naivety that would be required for the con artist to succeed. So the disciples, they were skeptical. They were not naive enough to just go along with it, just to, to play along, to get along kind of thing. Uh, the impersonator would need to possess miraculous powers, right? Because we know Jesus 
um, did miracles. He had a divine power to him, a divine nature. The disciples reported that the resurrected Jesus performed many miracles and convincing proofs. You can read this in Acts 1, 2 through 3. Who would seek to start a world religious movement if not one of the hopeful disciples? This theory requires someone to motivate the impersonate Jesus other than the disciples themselves. This explanation also fails to account for the empty tomb or missing body of Jesus. Again, the tomb, the rock, the stone that was covered in the tomb was rolled out. Very, very heavy rock guarded by the Roman soldiers in those times. Again, they were very good at what they did, right? They were forged in battle. They held prisoners. They were good at good at torture some people would say the best at torture so hardly anybody ever escaped the romans so for uh, no uh, body to be found in an empty tomb kind of far-fetched were the disciples influenced by limited spiritual sightings uh, the theory fails to account for the numerous divergent and separate group sightings of Jesus that are recorded in the Gospels. These sightings are described specifically with great detail. It's not reasonable to believe that all the disciples could provide such specific details if they were simply repeating something they didn't see for themselves. Even when you get people in a group, you can always spot the person that is lying because their details of an account are they could be different but they're extremely different like not even in comparison to maybe the other three or the other five there's always one person that wants to say that they were there but their accounts never add up to the rest in this case all the disciples had very very vivid accounts and they all matched um, again it's never going to match perfectly there is people that in the times have seen something like this uh, a divine interaction you may not get every single detail but you'll be you'll be dead on with other details that maybe others have as many as 500 people were said to be available to testify to their observation of the risen christ this is first corinthians 15 3 through 8 could all of these people have been influenced to imagine their own observation of jesus it's not reasonable to believe that a persuader equally persuaded all these disciples even though they didn't actually see anything that was recorded this explanation also fails to account for the empty tomb or the missing corpse were the disciples observations uh, distorted later in the earlier accounts of the disciples activity after the crucifixion they are seen citing the resurrection of jesus as a primary piece of evidence that jesus was god from the earlier days of christian movement eyewitnesses were making this claim the student of the disciples also recorded that the resurrection was a key component of the disciples eyewitness testimonies you can read more of this in chapter 13 the earliest known christian creed or oral record as described by paul in first corinthians 15 includes the resurrection as a key component this explanation also fails to account for the fact that the tomb and body of jesus have not been exposed to demonstrate that this late legend was false again no body found tomb empty still can't prove any of these other ongoing theories were the disciples telling the truth this explanation has only one liability it requires a belief in the supernatural a belief that jesus had the supernatural power to rise from the dead in the first place let's not forget that the disciples went on to give their lives for this uh, gospel no one dies for a lie no man is willing to die for a lie we've seen this happen in court 
time after time. If you know you're innocent, there's no way that you're going to say you're guilty. And if there's a death penalty involved, there's no way that you're going to continue to say that you did it knowing that your life is going to be taken from you. In the times of death and tribulation, 99.9% of the people will tell the truth. And even if they live by a code of, I, I'm just willing to go down and pay a hefty price for this to not look like um, a snitch or a rat, that still doesn't matter because even within the inner circle, even in prison, they will tell other prisoners that they did not do it and they're going for down for a crime that they did not commit. But I guess it's more of a kind of egotistical thing and they just don't want to rat or snitch on a friend. We've seen those cases, but here we're talking about something greater. Back in those times, you weren't held in a cell with three square meals, the AC, the heater, uh, showers. No, back in the day, you were in a cell, in a pit, about to be fed to lions, about to be tortured for the entertainment of Caesar. It was completely different. Back in the day, there was no incentive to lie. Remember that Paul got kicked out of his position of power. Paul had power. Um, and he was kicked out for basically becoming a Christian and not persecuting the Christians any longer after he had his encounter with Jesus. And all of the other apostles went on to also um, die a very gruesome, very grueling deaths. So no power, no money and no women. And those are basically the three key components to any kind of homicides and crimes being committed. It's always over money, power or women. Uh, Paul lost the power. Uh, the apostles did not have women. They had their own women. They were some of them had women and kids at the time, and they did not get any money because they were constantly trying to collect a uh, little bit that they had to be able to eat. And a lot of times that money was used to feed others and to help others. So again, I hope you guys are like this. Um, this is kind of quick, but I hope this is informative. If you have any questions, you can reach me at ygospel at gmail.com. I probably covered this a little bit too fast. But again, this is just kind of trying to prove not only that Jesus did die on the cross, but um, he also did resurrect. He was spotted many times after death. So if we do a quick recap of pretty much what I try to cover here, that Jesus indeed died. Um, the guards would have not allowed Jesus to come off that cross if it wasn't for him taking his last breath. Roman guards were very, very well trained to see and observe people that are dying, people that are going to die. They knew exactly how many lashings to give you that could kill you, how many lashings that they could give you that would just maim you, injure you. Remember, these are the kings of torture. They've seen this thousands and thousands and thousands of times to the point where they knew exactly what they were dealing with. These were masters um, of the uh, art of torture. And I'm not calling torture an art by any means. And maybe I, I should take that back and not call that an art because I don't believe that's an art. Um, but maybe that's the way that they seen it. You know, I've heard them depict it as that. Um, I have books on gladiators. I really liked studying the gladiator times. And I've read that some people considered their torture and their war uh, an art. So also uh, the tomb, the 
Roman guards were guarding the tomb, and yet in the morning, uh, tomb was empty. No body was there. Uh, they thought that the apostles might have broken in and taken the body, but that boulder was way too big for the disciples to come in in the middle of the night. And while these Roman guards are sleeping, making all of this noise to try to move this huge rock, can you imagine grabbing sticks, them snapping, cracking? And mind you, this was a tomb that was supposed to be guarded very heavily because in those days that's exactly what Pilate commanded these guards to do so yeah and then after the resurrection he's spotted many of times before his ascension so once again he comes up to Thomas and he says Thomas here I am before you he shows him his wounds Thomas kneels before him. He says, now I know you are my Lord. Now I know you are my God. If you want to know more about this, again, your Bible is the number one source, but there is also alternate sources that wrote about this. And if we can prove this one event, then we know Christianity is true. I love you guys in Jesus name. I am Young Gospel. I'm out. Young Young gospel, gospel. I got you. I got you. I got you. Young gospels podcast. Get ready. Your hope is in the building. My hope is out the ceiling. My hope is that I hope these Christians really do feel me, Mama. I'm a different Christian, I'm on a different path I took a different mission, the blood, the life I got the passion of the Christ Everyone's so hostile, they used to call me T-Money Now it's Young Gospel So go with me to a land you'll never see It's free, but it's sexicerity Young Gospel's Pie